So in a moment, I'll be jumping into today's message, uh, which we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. But before I get there, I just want to share a couple things, and then we'll dive into that. Um, yeah. So, I want, oh yeah, that's right, I want to share a testimony, that's what I was going to do. Um, I want to share a testimony. Testimonies are a great way just to encourage one another and hear cool ways that God's working. And this one's specifically about my wife, Crystal. So, here at New Hope Community Church, we really try to want to care well for people. And if you look in the Bible, holistically, Jesus cared for people well. I think we can all agree with that. Uh, he would see a lot of times physical needs, um, spiritual needs, and he would meet both of them. Um, oftentimes, there can be a tendency to be like, I want to just meet a physical need, and I'll just mention that I'm a really nice person, and that way I don't have to talk about Jesus, right? But meeting physical needs. Other times, sometimes it's really easy just to be like, well, I really want people to come to know Jesus, because Jesus came to seek and save the lost, so that's like priority number one, which it is actually. But at the same time, Jesus would care for spiritual and physical needs at the same time. Amen? Everybody's tracking with us? All right, great. And we want to be like that. We want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I want to care for people well in the community like you do, campuses, wherever, other countries. Um, that's our mission. That's our desire. Anyways, there's a cool testimony that Crystal allowed me to, is going to allow me to share. Uh, just an opportunity to care for someone in a, in a neat way. So uh, last week we had the opportunity, uh, Crystal's parents were awesome, they, they watched all four of her kids at the same time, um, whew, they were champions, and uh, we had the opportunity to actually get a little son down in Florida. Uh, that was amazing. Um, you're like, you don't have to tell us, we love up here, yeah, I know. But it was really, really awesome. So we were down there just having a little R&R, getting to sleep in, rest, really good stuff. Um, and it was so neat, because here we are down in Florida, but as we know, God works all across the globe, right? So it's not just working in Potsdam, not just working, you know, in St. Lawrence County. Yeah, down in Florida, too. So as we were down there, and uh, Crystal really felt prompted as we were walking around this community we were in uh, to go pick up specifically, there was like a, like a pink luggage, um, kind of, what do you call them? Like a suitcase. Yeah, there we go. With like a broken zipper that was on the side of the road. Someone was throwing it out or giving it away. And Crystal just kept feeling as we walked by or drove by it that she's supposed to get this suitcase. And it's pretty big. It was like, I don't know. It's like one of those bigger ones. I don't think you could fit it in like an overhead. Um, and so towards the end of our trip, uh, Crystal, one day I was taking a nap. She went and just walked on over and she picked it up. She really felt like the Holy Spirit was leading her to do this. And uh, she picked it up. She's walking back to the house we were renting. And uh, she passed a lady who looked like she was moving out of her house. And the Lord's like, you should go talk to her. So she got to talk to this lady, had an opportunity to pray for her. And that was really awesome, right? Here you are, you know, again, some R&R &R vacation. The Holy Spirit's just opening opportunities to talk to people. So I was like, go, go Crystal. You're so brave and courageous. Go for it. Because this isn't like a community that we're familiar with. We don't know anyone down there. But God does. So then Crystal came back, and she felt like she had the suitcase still. She's telling me after I woke up, like, I really feel like uh, we have some food still left in the fridge. Like, when we leave, we're supposed to fill this massive suitcase with food and beverages to give them to a homeless person specifically. So the Lord was very well directing this. It was like, grab this, this particular suitcase, bring it back, the food you have, put it in there. Um, and so the night before we were about to fly back, we were, uh, we were driving around, and the place where we were, like just south of Orlando, um, there's a lot of homeless people just uh, literally in the streets. They'll just come up to you right to the car and on the sidewalks uh, just kind of moving around. And so we were trying to find at night, probably from like 8 to 9 p.m. at night, uh, someone we could give the suitcase to, because it was very clear to Crystal that, like, God wanted her to get the suitcase, fill it with food, and give it to someone in need. And so we drove around, but we weren't able to find anyone. And so we're definitely kind of like, wow, just the way it was working, there's a, a ton of traffic. If you've been to the Orlando area, you know the traffic is real, right? I love Amish buggy, no traffic, Potsdam. 
just going to say, whoo, man, prayer life goes up when you drive anywhere, at least for me. Um, so we were leaving for a flight early, and uh, we had to wake up at 3 a.m. So now it's 3 a.m., we're heading out. You know what it's like if you go into a flight, you know, uh, at least for me, I'm feeling a little anxious. I want to get there, you know, the whole process, blah, blah, blah. And so as we're driving, Crystal's like, all right, I got this suitcase. I really feel like the Lord wanted me to give this to someone. You know what we'll do? We'll go to a bus station on the way, like a bus stop. We'll put it there and see if potentially there's someone that could uh, find it or whatever. So that was our plan. We're just kind of, you know, just faith walking, so to speak. And uh, so we see a bus stop, but I was going to stop there. There's a car that's too fast behind me, so I couldn't stop. So we went to the next one. I literally pulling in so that we could jump out. And it was so neat because then there was this man that was just walking down the sidewalk. And he was walking, but we pulled into a parking lot to, like, kind of turn around. And, he, like, he just stopped. Like, he's, like, frozen. Like, not even looking at us, looking the other way. And it was pretty clear, I think, to both of us, specifically Crystal, like, this is the person to give the suitcase to. Um, so this is at 3 a.m. <laughs> My wife is so brave. I, I was a little, I'll, I'll be honest, I was very, very nervous about how this might go down, right? Uh, this is 3 a.m., us driving around. Um, and so we just stop, and Crystal gets out of the car. Uh, as a strong husband, I was hiding behind the wheel. And uh, believe me, I got so much flack on this from so many different people. And uh, so my wife gets out, who obviously is courageous, brave, and loves people. And she steps out and uh, with a suitcase. And she goes up, up to this man who's very startled, right? Because like, you see this minivan kind of do a you. And you're like, what's going on? This is literally how the interaction went down. The guy turns around. And he's like, are you here to shoot me, is what he says. Right? It's 3 a.m., remember, right? And we just pulled up in like a tinted minivan. Um, and Crystal's like, no. Then she's like, are you here to shoot me? And he's like, no. That's always good to get out of the way. You know, most conversations, maybe we feel that way. Let's just be honest. No, I'm not going to shoot you, you know, whatever. And, uh, and then he had the opportunity. Would you like some food? He's like, yeah, yeah, I would actually. And then um, he's like, I also know other people that I could share this with because it was a lot of, like, beverage food items for one person. And it was already in a suitcase, which had wheels on it because it's like one of those, like, whatever um, stuff. So she's able to do that. She wrote a note for this person, put it in there. So it talks about Jesus in there. But she mentioned, like, this is from God. This is an expression of his love for you. And then as we're about to drive away, he looked back and looked at me in the window, uh, you know, the wimpy husband. And he's like, the God, is, it's Jesus, right? This is from Jesus. And then, like, it's exactly from Jesus. And so we just had a moment um, to bless someone in a place that we wouldn't know anyone, uh, nor were we necessarily looking that way. You know what I mean? But it was cool because God so cared for this one specific man that he led my wife specifically to get some luggage, fill it with food, and then we had an interaction. It's short, but an interaction to express God's love at like 3.30 a.m. So glory to God. It's amazing what the Lord can do in us. And it's really just a story all about God because none of that was Crystal's idea. Right, Crystal? No, it wasn't her idea. It was God's idea. And I want to share that because it's not just in Florida that God wants to use us, right? There's people up here. We might not see the, we, because it's so cold, we don't have homeless just walking on the street, right? Especially at night, you can't, in Orlando, you can survive the night, and it's really nice, actually. It's like 70 degrees. Here, not so much, right? Last night, you don't want to be out on the street. But there's people in need. There's people that are hurting. There's people that God wants us to interact with that oftentimes maybe don't look like us, maybe in a socially different demographic than us. Um, but Jesus would go through to people that were out of his way to meet both physical and spiritual needs. And I just wanted to share that as hopefully it's an inspiration to me. Lord, could I be open each day just to ask you, God, what do you want me to do today? Because um, that wasn't on our radar at all. But Lord, what do you want me to do today? And might there be someone I could bless? And just see what happens. You never, what the, you never know what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Something that Crystal kept reminding me about this story was like, it's all just based in prayer. 
right? Having a conversation with God often, and then just listening to his promptings and just obeying. And I really appreciate her obedience. Well, I wanted to listen, but her obedience and then also going forward to love. There are lots of opportunities, and I think, uh, think probably don't need to mention everything, but it's, it's been a pretty challenging, right, past two years for all of us, right? COVID, challenges, politics, masks, all the way things are handled there. I've heard of friendships that are broken over so small things, families divided over tiny things. Even churches can, like, feel the, 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 the tension, right, to the kind of pull away. And I want to give a reminder that we don't gather for any other reason except for the person of Jesus. Amen? Like, that's why we gather. Because I was thinking there's so many things that can divide. It's such a hard time. Now we have the war in Ukraine and Russia and Europe. I'm sure all our hearts probably break in prayer for the Ukrainians. We were praying for them this morning uh, before our service. But realizing that, God, we want to pray. We want to be a people that pray. We want to be a people that listen. Um, But, Lord, are there practical ways we can help? And I know this is a little bit long before the message, but it's the pre-message before the message. Some churches, it's just a normal thing. But just bear with me. But I do want to let you know that our missions committee president, uh, Ben Stauffer, our missions committee is actually actively looking for ways to potentially um, host or care for a refugee family from Ukraine. Um, so some of you are probably, what are some practical ways? We've actually had uh, a wonderful refugee family once, maybe, what was it, 10 or 15 years ago? It was before I got here, but you might remember Jamila and her daughters from Eritrea. Uh, they were able to come up here with the help of this church and other churches, and it was just amazing. If you knew Jamila, you got way more blessed, <laughs> right, to be with her. I'm like, she got here, but I'm like, she just kept blessing and loving and and. and hosting with hospitality that I think outdid most of us. But we're looking for practical ways to care and to love for those in need. So I just want to let you know that some of you might like, what are some ways we can do that? What are some ways we can care? Uh, our missions committee is already on that. There's a Zoom call, I think, uh, this Tuesday, actually, where there'll be a discussion with the organization. But I don't know about you, but that gets me excited, right? That maybe, Lord, you might want to use a little rural church in, in upstate New York, maybe in a way to, to bless, you know, an individual or family who's lost everything. Um, this, is, this is all about wanting to care well for, like, Jesus. Um, and we, and we want to care for everyone. This church, I believe, we are trying to do that uh, the best we can by the grace of God to love everyone. I think we could all agree that we want to love God with everything and love other people. Amen? Amen? Love God, love other people. But sometimes it's easy only to love people that look like yourself or are born in the same country where you're at. Right? And I just want to share this as an encouragement. In the last two to three weeks, I've had more conversations, and it weighs heavy on me, honestly, with those who are non-white and from other countries that are just sharing with me their struggles for what it's like to be in a mostly white rural area. And I want to share that as a way that I know our hearts is to love everyone, and this is just an encouragement to us. Like, let's be extravagant in our love. Amen? There's those that are hurting that they go to certain stores and pot stands or certain restaurants or certain places outside, and they're not treated the same way as I would be walking in or you would be. And I, I think as Christ followers, I know we believe it. I know we believe it. We want to love everyone. I know that. I'm just giving encouragement. I'm not saying any of us are doing this. Maybe we are. Well, then ask for repentance. But let us love everyone, whether they look pale and Casper ghostly like me, you know, you guys are probably hoping I'd come back more tan. I was too, you know. <laughs> or beautifully dark complexion, right? 
whether they're from America or Ukraine or some other place around the country, God loves this world so much that he sent Jesus. Let us be Jesus to the world. Amen? So there's the mini-sermon. Yeah, give glory to God. <laughs> there's the mini-message. But it's on my heart. Lord gave me multiple dreams last night. And I was like, God, this is too many things for me to like, figure out. Lord, what do you want me to do? And I feel like that's the Lord. It was an exhortation for us to love radically. Bishop Clark from Buffalo once said, uh, we've had him here as a guest speaker, Bill Clark. And he's like, we're not friends. He's like, I'm not friends with someone until you know where my bathroom is and I know where your bathroom is. And it kind of glitched my mind when I first heard that, but I realized it's true. We can pray for sure, but let's make more friends with people that don't look like us. Are you with me? May they know where your bathroom is, and may you know where their bathroom is. It's not just let's invite someone that doesn't look like me to my house, but I'd be willing to go there, their house, and build a friendship that's based in Jesus. All right, I got to move into the message. Um, want to share was on my heart. I feel like that's what the Lord wanted me to share. Well, let us get in then to the message, and let's pray as I transition from one thing to the next. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that you care for us, that you love us. Lord, we want to care well for everyone, and Lord, I do pray, God, as we look at your word today on a topic, God, that I'll be honest, you know, is, is one that probably I wouldn't want to talk about in a large group forum, but you spoke about on the Sermon on the Mount. So, Lord, I just pray that you give me your words and your grace, your sensitivity to talk about, Lord. I pray that we could receive well what you would want us to receive from your word. Uh, God, and be encouraged and challenged to look more like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so we're, uh, we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's really nice. Sometimes we do topical messages, but typically we try to uh, stay to like a section or a book. What that allows you to do, or forces you to do, is to preach the Bible holistically, because honestly, it's kind of fun just to pick your favorite text, right? <laughs> but Jesus, he hits on hard stuff, and he says hard things that, uh, you know, it can be difficult to sometimes take in. Um, for those who have not been part of our sermon series so far, uh, it's called Kingdom Come, and we've been looking at Jesus' words to, uh, uh, to yeah, earlier followers or those who were against him, religious leaders, on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and last week, Glenn Ewart did, I thought he did an exceptional job doing a message about where Jesus talks about lust and adultery. And we're, I'm actually going to read those verses because actually what I'm going to read is actually kind of synced in with that a little bit in the way Jesus did that. But we're looking at the example that Jesus gives. He gives six examples of when it talks about that your righteousness must surpass the Pharisees and the scribes, essentially the religious, religious leaders, which honestly is impossible, showing our need for Jesus. We can't do that even though they thought they could. And he gives these examples. We might remember the first example he gave was oftentimes in the Old Testament focusing, it was focusing on murder. He's saying, hey, there's anger in your heart. You're on a pathway to that if you let it work out. Like there's sin in your heart. There's an action of that. Um, God is looking at the heart. Last week we see that again. When he's talking about in the Old Testament, adultery, being wrong, and then also how there's lust in the heart. Right? And that was a pretty, I think, challenging message, I'm sure, for all of us at some point in our lives. And once again, Jesus is looking at the hearts. The religious leaders, many of them, are trying to figure out what's the least amount we can do, right, and still be okay. And Glenn gave that great example of someone driving towards a cliff, right? How close can you get to the cliff? The chauffeur and the example was, don't get close. 
don't get close to the edge. But oftentimes we want to do that. And we're going to see that again when it comes to the topic that Jesus is going to be talking about today on divorce. Now I want to just say, if you're in a place that you're, you're in this place or you're struggling or you have questions, this kind of conversation, if you want to have like a dialogue, it's best to have like one-on-one, right? Um, so I'm going to do my best to look at what Jesus says in this passage and then another passage later in Matthew. But I also want to be sensitive because I realize this is a reality that some have faced or have faced, will face, whatever, and I just want to be very, very sensitive. So if you're in a place like, wow, I would love to talk about this more or whatever, let's do that one-on-one. Um, but I do want to look at the passage. So let's look at it today. We're going to be taking a couple of verses from last week because Jesus kind of links it in a little bit uh, in verse 31. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27. And then you'll see that we'll get into the new content for those who were here last year, or last week, sorry. Matthew 5, 27 says, You have heard that it was said, and this is Jesus talking, you shall not commit adultery. So once again, he's quoting the Old Testament commands. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body goes in, go into hell. And this is the new content for today. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So I want to give a little context on some of the religious leaders that Jesus is talking to. And so in the religious realm, there were those who would follow like the, the letter of the law very legalistically, right? To a T, this is what it says, we're actually going to, you know, bam, we want to do this. But there was also those who were... Uh, <laughs> They're uh, just following, they're trying to figure out how lax can we follow the commandments of God and still get away with whatever, right? How can we still be in a good place with God but do the least amount? And uh, not necessarily in this topic, but how often have we ever done that in our own lives, right? (laughs) I remember my mom wanted me to do dishes. I'm like, how fast and how late can I do these dishes, right? It's not saying how best and how obedient can I be. It's kind of how can I push this instruction passed, and you know, uh, you got to repent and, uh, and say sorry. Um, but in this context, there's religious leaders that are doing that. Jesus is once again giving a very high standard for a time where, honestly, in the culture of divorce, there were some people who were divorced, remarried like 10 times. It's kind of like it's just kind of willy-nilly, just get married, get divorced, get married, get divorced, get married, divorce, get married, divorce, get married, divorce. Get married, divorce. Um, and sometimes, honestly, that, I know it's like over 2,000 years ago, but that kind of sounds sometimes like our culture today. We can have that kind of very lax view when it comes to marriage. Jesus is showing a very high view of marriage. And I'm going to, this is only a couple, it's only, what, two verses? And so today what we're going to do is look at a slightly larger context where Jesus is talking about divorce. It's also from the book of Matthew, but it's found in Matthew 19. Um, also with the religious leaders trying to be sneaky again um, in that context. So we're going to look at Matthew 19 and hopefully give us a, just a little broader context, same kind of conclusion, but a broader context in verse 3. So this is Matthew 19, verse 3. Here we go. It 
says, and Pharisees came up to him, this is Jesus, and tested him by asking, and just notice, notice what the question is, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? So this is the question, right? <laughs> and they're wanting to trick him, but they're also trying to see what he'll say or not say. He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, why didn't the Moses commanded one to give a certificate of divorce and then to send her away? Referring to Old Testament instruction. And Jesus says this. He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality, very similar to other passage, and marries another commits adultery. So you see Jesus once again reaffirming that when it came to being married and marriage, that was a very, very high view. The idea was to be married and to be married to someone uh, and become one flesh. Now, those who are listening, hearing this, were just kind of like, wow, the view of marriage that they're having in the culture is quite low. Um, and like as far as longevity, that even in verse 10 of Matthew 19, this is what the disciples said after hearing this. The disciples said to Jesus, or to him, if such is the case of a man and his wife, it is better not to marry. Right? So you're seeing this. This is pretty, this is pretty heavy. Like what Jesus is doing, it's like, wow. Because the culture is saying you just, you know, divorce. How many times can you get out of divorce, in and out? But the questions are the wrong questions. Right? It's like saying, how fast can I speed without getting a speeding ticket? <laughs> right? I know we've all done it. Isn't the idea to follow the speed limit? The question should be phrased, how can I stay in a marriage, right, or reconcile to a marriage? And obviously Jesus is showing uh, with sexual immorality that you can give a divorce. And in the Old Testament, there was actually almost a concession of kind of, because of the hardness of heart, the ability to have a certificate of divorce. But the way the questions are being framed, it's as if the goal is divorce. Are you with me? Like, that's the focus. It's like last week we were talking about lust and adultery. And for some, we can struggle with, like, pornography and other things. If you're only thinking about, don't look at porn on the computer or on my phone all the time. What are you thinking about, right? Don't look. Oh, okay. Maybe my focus doesn't need to be on this. Maybe my focus needs to be on Jesus and remaining pure and glorifying him. We see the same thing here in a very similar way with divorce. They're asking all the questions of what can I do pretty much to get divorced if that's okay. And Jesus is like, there's actually a much higher, it's the wrong question. It's actually saying, how could I be in a marriage that honors God or in a place that can work towards that? Now I say all this realizing there's those you're struggling, you're in a place, people are in a place, and you're just like, wow, this is really Hearing what Jesus is saying, you're like, I'd love to talk or whatever. Yes, like definitely, like once I said, I'm just doing my best in a short amount of time to hit on these two passages. And there's a lot of complexity, and even Christians, as you look at other passages, might have different conclusions than the ones I'm sharing right now. So I'm just sharing that right off the bat. But I do want to realize that Jesus has a very high view of marriage. We see that actually in Old Testament examples. Um, Oftentimes it was shown that God was kind of like the, 
the faithful groom to a marriage of the Israel people. And we might remember how many times, more times than not, that Israel, right, would break the covenant with God and go the other way. There was even a, a, a man named Hosea whose whole, wife, uh, his whole life was kind of used as a demonstration of that with his wife Gomar who kept going away, becoming a prostitute, adulteress, coming back. And like it literally was almost in a way showing what the Israelites were doing with God. I realize on a practical level, maybe some of us can relate with this, maybe a lot of us maybe can't at the rate at this moment. But on a bigger level, I was thinking of God's faithfulness towards us. In the end of the Bible, in Revelations, it talks about the bridegroom, which is, which is God, and us as the bride, which is the church, which is very interesting. It's not an individual that is the bride to God. It's actually the church body, uh, holistically, globally, throughout time, is the bride. But how many times as the bride have we been unfaithful to following after God, right? How many times have we gone astray? We've fallen away. And, uh, and the Lord has always been so faithful and so caring. He's the only one that's perfect. We're not. We sin. We make mistakes. Uh, all of us do. Um, I definitely do. And when I forget that, my wife lovingly reminds me. <laughs> right? It's always easy to have a higher view of oneself. And then it's like, you know what? We all have made mistakes. Um, even this morning when I was praying, I was thinking, uh, just doing some devos. It's, God, I want... I want your mercy and grace new for me today, right? We've all made mistakes. So I don't want to share this today of kind of like a top-down kind of thing. We've, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And like I said, it is a complex issue, and there are different uh, discussions even among Christians among divorce. But as far as sharing specifically for Matthew, I wanted to share that today. There's just two verses. Glenn shared it last week. Uh, I thought it was good. He's mentioned that... Uh, uh, where sometimes it's not the contradictions that are, seem like they're in the Bible that are hard. It's, it's honestly that the Bible contradicts our life. That's really hard. And I really like the way he said that because I'm like, that's really true. And I read scripture. Um, oh, man, do I wish that sometimes scripture could look more like me. But that doesn't make me more like holy, like Jesus, right? When I look at scripture, the invitation is, God, I want to look more like you. And we have a loving father who cares for us so perfectly and lovingly that he wants to, he wants to uh, not look down like a judge or some kind of like the religious Pharisees, but a loving father who would come and not destroy us in our sin, but actually come and die for our sin. And so at this time, I want to invite up the musicians as uh, we'll be having a benediction in a moment. There's a scripture I want to read that talks about God's faithfulness towards us afterwards. Um, but we're going to have an opportunity after uh, the song and the benediction, uh, just have some time just to be able to talk a little bit in our tables. I realize with this topic, it's kind of hard just to go for probably many of us just like, how do I apply this specifically? So I'm going to encourage you. I mean, if you want to talk about this, for sure, go for it. But I would encourage us, let's spend some time in our tables. If you're able to stay, we'd love for you to stay if you can. Um, just praying for one another. It, it's, it, it's a heavy season of life. There's some big needs uh, in our lives. Um, there's some big needs going around this world. We could spend some time in prayer. So I invite you, if you're able to do so, uh, after this song, um, a benediction for those online, for those in person. And if you're able to stay around, I hope you are able to have some time to just maybe discuss as you feel free to do so. But also, let's spend some time praying for one another. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your, your word, God. I thank you that you bring both truth and grace. And God, you call us to be holy, not to be happy. 
But God, we do want to be filled with your joy. So God, I do pray, God, that you just show us how we can best just think on this, apply it, reflect on your word uh, in these table discussions, and also pray well for one another. God, we pray that you would be glorified in our lives and that we would become less and you would become more. In Jesus' name, amen.